and welcome to The Double Double. My name is David Dixon, and joining me once again for his weekly college football and NFL appearance on the podcast is Taylor Silva. Silva. Taylor, how's it going? Good. How are you, David? I'm doing well. It's it's a little chilly night here in Connecticut. It's a We're officially in the fall winter weather, and it's cold, it's wet, it's football, basketball, weather, you know, it's means those seasons are getting to the basketball just starting up and football's getting into the prime time, which is what we all love to to get to watching on our couches on Saturday and Sundays. I love it. Best time of the year for me. Uh yeah, it's it's starting to get cold up here in New York. I'm I'm getting used to it a little bit, but definitely still miss that warm down in the south. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different than than Alabama, but it's definitely not all it's not seventy and sunny down in down in Alabama. So let's just get right into it. The biggest story coming out of this past week in college football, Tua Tagovaiola injured again, this time his hip. He is out for the season after dislocating his hip. And I think he fractured a something else in there too on Saturday. He also has a broken nose and a concussion, which all happened on the same play. Just a brutal loss for the sport, for Alabama. You feel for Tua and his whole family just coming back after last season, coming so close to winning it all for a second time and putting up incredible numbers and might have won the Heisman this year, might have gotten his team back to the to the national championship game. But first and foremost, what does this mean? What does his injury mean for Alabama going forward? Yeah, it's uh, it was a huge loss. It, uh, he's the best the best quarterback that's ever played for Alabama. He's, I mean, he came in and changed Bama's entire philosophy on offense. I mean, it used to be the run set up the pass, but now it's I mean, it's the pass sets up the run. So it uh, it's a huge loss. It's it's a big loss to Alabama. Just how much he meant to the entire program and to the players and the coaches, you could kind of see it with uh, Coach Saban in the halftime interview. He looked a little choked up, and I've never really seen him like that before. I mean, but, uh, I mean, o- just overall. I mean, just in reference for for when you talk about how Tua has revolutionized just the the Alabama quarterback quarterbacking and just their whole offense. So this year in 2019. He had 33 touchdowns to only three interceptions. In 2018, he had uh, 30. He, he had 43 touchdowns to six interceptions, including the two postseason games. And obviously, in 2017, he had the most famous touchdown of his career, the game winner against Georgia. That was one of three, and he had 11 his his freshman year. So. He's thrown so many passing touchdowns that, as you said, that's something Alabama quarterbacks haven't really done before. Yes. I mean, he, uh, he, he came in and dominated he, immediately. Uh, he, his arm, is, it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. He, uh, he can make NFL throws from, I mean, left hash all the way to the far right side. It's, it's pretty remarkable the touch he has and just the, I mean, just the deep ball accuracy from him, the short, middle, and deep, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And it's also like he's completing a very high percentage of his passes, too. He's not just 
hitting these long touchdowns. He's extremely, extremely accurate with the football. As a basically a full-time starter, he was 69% completion percentage last season, around 71% this year. In the SEC, you know, the best conference in, in college football with playing NFL caliber defensive backs every Saturday. Yeah, he. I mean, he's his completion percentage is it's it's crazy how accurate he is, and I mean, even like I mean, they they there's a lot of screen passes and slants and stuff, but slant. I mean, slants slants not an easy pass either. I mean, you got to be it's it's a small window and it's quick throw. So I mean, he's just every every throw he makes is it's very accurate and it's usually in a spot that it, it's not to set up the receiver getting hurt. It'll be a low throw. It'll be back shoulder something where his man will get it and be able to get down or. You know, just the only way he tries not to put the ball into too much uh, pressure or bad throws or anything, I feel like. And, you know, the the most important question that has been ruminating on talk shows and on Twitter ever since he got hurt was, why was he in the game? You know, they were up four touchdowns. He's still coming off this ankle injury. And Nick Saban has said that Tua asked to be in the to, to stay in the game and that he wanted him to run the two minute drill one more time before uh, before being taken out and putting in backup Mac Jones. Do you really think that that was a valid reason to keep him on the field to run the, the two-minute drill, or should Saban have taken him out? I think it was a really impossible position, and this is just the absolute worst-case scenario, but I see both sides of this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to, I mean, Hindsight, of course, is twenty twenty. So I mean, looking back now, it's it. I mean, it's a. It might have been a bad decision, but I. I, I mean, it's just a freak accident. I don't really blame blame coach for for putting him in. Uh, I think. I mean, the two minute drill that is something that I mean they 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 weren't going to work on it this upcoming week with I think it's Western Carolina. Uh, so it's and you can't really. It's hard to replicate the two-minute drill in practice. It's not really live reps. It's 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 just it's a lot different. So I, I can see what he's going with there, but it was just it was a freak accident. It's not. Uh, I don't think you can coach to coach to where like your players not to get hurt. Uh, I think you just got to play the game, play play the players that you know, and and that's just it was a very unfortunate incident that occurred. Yeah, I mean, and just we could talk about just the numbers as much as we want, but because they really are just insane. Like, for reference, he threw, uh, he's thrown 534 passes in his two years as a starter and has thrown just nine interceptions, and that's fewer than, just, just, just listen to these names. He's thrown nine picks in two years. Jameis Winston, that's fewer than Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson, Johnny Manziel, Vince Young, and Andrew Luck, and Lamar Jackson through in their final one season alone. So he's thrown fewer interceptions in two seasons than all those guys were or did in their in just one season. That's incredible. Then that was what four that was what four or five Heisman you just named right there, too? Yeah. I mean, just re, just absolutely ridiculous. He has the highest passer efficiency rating ever uh he's averaged over about 11 yards per attempt that's a full yard better than the next closest guy he's thrown touchdowns on 12.7 percent of his passing attempts so that means there's on like on 12 percent of his passes 
it's been a touchdown, which when you think about it, if he's throwing 35, 40 passes a game, that's just a ridiculous conversion percentage. When you're talking about like they still run slants and screen passes, like this guy is, he knows how to put points on the board. He was, so, so for reference, that's 30% more likely to throw a touchdown on any given throw than any other player in the history of college football. He's, he's, I mean, he's a generational talent, I think. And I still believe that he's gonna, he's gonna get a chance at the next level if, as long as, well, uh, it's the recovery process and everything goes well. I think he's still got a shot to be a high pick. And part and of me, superstar in the NFL. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, part of me wishes that we saw him at, at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, where in the pack, or sorry, not the pack 12, the, the Big 12 where it's just air raid offense. Like, this dude might have thrown 85 touchdowns in a season if, if he was in the Big 12 and, and not the, the SEC. But now, but now you mentioned his, his NFL future. Obviously, this is a devastating injury for him. What does it mean for Tua going forward and just his, his NFL future? He probably won't get picked number one overall, but I think we both think he'll, he'll still be drafted, right? Yeah, I, I think he definitely will. Uh, I was looking at... A mock draft today. McShay's top thirty-two, and he's got him listed at thirteen right now. And I was, I was kind of feeling between the seven to fifteen range, just kind of what I'm thinking. But uh, it, I, I mean, of course, you want to be the number one pick. But I, I think personally, this might be better for his future. I think a chance for a stable organization, somebody to swoop in in those late, late. Uh, late first round, I mean, uh, mid first round, late teens kind of pick. I think somebody could swoop in like a Chargers or a Panthers or a Steelers. Uh, I think somebody can, can come in there and, and he, he could be a franchise quarterback for, for a really good time. It's been interesting in the immediate aftermath, his, his injury of a dislocated and fractured hip was that it was very similar to the Bo Jackson injury that, that he suffered. And he, Obviously, Bo Jackson was never the same. Obviously, medical and doctors and surgeries are a lot different now than they were when when Bo got hurt. But I would have a hard time with just that comparison. Seeing an NFL team draft Tua before the third round. And I agree with you that a really smart organization would take him like the Chargers. I think the Patriots are the sleeper in all this that... They are so good at trading back and taking guys with really good value that they obviously have Brady, who is still playing at, at a high level, that they don't need Tua to come in and be Tua, right? That he can recover, yep. he can rehab, he can get as good as he can, and then maybe we'll see the Tua emergence again in the NFL the same way it was at Alabama, where Jalen Hurts was on his way to being an Alabama legend, Obviously, winning the national championship his first year and take, take him to the to, to the game as a second as 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 a sophomore, and he comes in and takes his job and never looked back. Maybe we could see that again when when Belichick finally decides to move on from Tom Brady. It's the Tua show. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I definitely think this could be much better for him personally. I don't think he needs to go to uh, a Dolphins or a Bengals right now. That's just not. That's not best for him, I don't think. I think he, it would be much better for him to sit behind a quarterback, even, of course, with the injury now. But, I mean, just even before, I think this would this this is – it might be a blessing in disguise, honestly. 
Yeah, I totally, I totally agree, and it takes a little bit of the less pressure off him to come into the NFL and be the LeBron James or the Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant type, where he's going to come in and immediately take his team to the playoffs. You know, he can now yep. develop and grow and without the same type of expectations. So what does this mean for the college football landscape as a whole? Obviously, it, I think it's, it changes the SEC going forward. It changes the whole playoff. But but uh, how do you see it, Taylor? Uh, I think Bama's still got a small shot at making the playoff. Uh, I think Mac Jones needs to show up next week against Auburn and make a statement. Uh, I think they might. They might be able to sneak in if LSU still beats Georgia in the SEC championship. But uh, overall, for college football, I think this, I think it, it could change. Uh, I think just 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 saying just a few of the top top overall picks, you know, maybe two or three a year. But I think this might slip in their mind a little bit as, hey, if I'm going to be a number one, number two overall pick, I, maybe I maybe I need to sit out a few games or or. or sit out this year or something. I, I think it's something that, I mean, it, obviously it worked out for Nick Bosa last year. He was getting a lot of, uh, a lot of hate for it, but I mean, he's, he's up there probably, I mean, probably going to win defensive rookie of the year this year. He's, I mean, he's putting up ridiculous numbers. So I, I just think for a few, a certain few amount of people, two or three, that, that this could, this could change. Yeah. And, and I could see it a lot more of guys sitting out more bowl games i think that will be the yeah, immediate sure. like like i think it'll be there, there'll be fewer and fewer guys like nick bosa who can have have an injury and take all the time to recover in the right way because it's not going to affect his draft stock but i could see more and more guys doing what christian mccaffrey did especially at, at the running back position where it's they'll go into the bowl game it's you know some random bowl game on a wednesday night in december it doesn't mean anything for the playoff and they just say hey I'm not playing. I'm not going to get hurt and ruin my chance of, of getting drafted. I, I completely agree. I think bowl games they're 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 different for sure. I think that'll be even more even more people might start sitting out there. But I'm just talking just just a regular season or, or certain select games or anything. I think I could definitely see a, a two a type player, one of those you know generational talents, possibly thinking about sitting out. Yeah, and you know, selfishly, I think we both would be like we don't want them to sit out because we want to watch them play and, and dominate, but also we recognize that they have to look out for their best interests too. Yep. So, so moving on, we talked a lot last, we, we talked a lot last week to Taylor about Minnesota and Baylor. They were both unbeaten going into this week and going, and after their games on Saturday, they both have one loss now. So, Minnesota obviously loses to Iowa at Iowa. Baylor loses to Oklahoma. What kind of went wrong, do you think, for them? Was it just too much hype? And kind of just where do you see these these two programs now? Let's start with uh, Minnesota. Uh, the Minnesota game, it was it was, it was kind of weird, honestly. I, I still haven't rewatched it yet, but just, just watching it live, it was – it seemed like they were making a lot of red zone mistakes. Uh, Iowa's defense was getting off the field when they weren't supposed, or uh, when they when they needed to most. But I mean, just looking at the stats, I mean, Minnesota had I mean, twenty three first downs to seventeen last week. They had four hundred thirty one yards to two hundred ninety. It was just when I was watching, it was it was they, they were just making too many mistakes. 
but I still got to go through it again and, and, and recap it. But it was, it was, I don't know. They, they, they had an opportunity and, and just kind of, Iowa took it from them. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was definitely a low scoring game. It was 23 to 19. Uh, not kind of like what we saw with Minnesota's previous game where they got a big win uh, over Penn State. But, you know, it's this is what happens when teams come off a really, really big win, right? They, they have these let-down performances where it seemed like Minnesota really should have won this game and take it to them, but that's obviously not what happened, and... Iowa's it's also just one of these programs that they're never really they had one year where they I remember the way they were really in like the top five, but Iowa's just a really, really tough out. That's just a classic conference opponent who plays really, really hard. They're gonna they're gonna make the game really ugly. They always have good linemen. They're kinda like Wisconsin. They always have these offensive linemen who are really good so that they can run the ball and they just play well in, in the trenches and they just make the game ugly and that's a tough place to play it's a it's a tough game to win but just going forward for for minnesota it's they still have a chance to get to the big 10 championship they're still in first place in the big 10 west in their division where if they can get to the big 10 championship that means they still have a chance for the playoff so they just got to regroup and and moving forward it's it's just they have they they now know they can lose which sometimes is a good thing for a team right uh, I think this, yeah, they're 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 going to Northwestern this weekend, so I think they're definitely bounced back big. Uh, yeah, they're 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 playoff soaps are still alive. They uh, they win Northwestern, and if they beat Wisconsin, they'll be they'll be in the Big Ten championship. And then if they somehow pull off the Ohio State or Penn State victory there, it's I mean it's it's fair game. And I can I mean they they deserve to be in the playoff if that happened. Do you think now, PJ Fleck? might think about leaving or do you think pj fleck is is going to leave like was this was this kind of the moment of minnesota football like a big missed opportunity i don't think he's gonna leave this year uh, i think he's gonna stay i think he's got he's got some good talent that should be back next year uh with tanner morgan and rashad bateman the receiver tyler uh tyler johnson's leaving but uh, I like Bateman a lot. I think he's a finalist for the Blitnikoff right now. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to leave. I would stay with this team. You've showed what you've done this year. I think they could bounce back even bigger next year. And if uh, if it doesn't, if they do end up losing to Wisconsin, which I, I'm predicting that, I, I think I mean that's that's a good good start to what he's he's trying to build there. And I I think he's going to I think he'll stick it out one more year. Interesting. I I could see the the pastures of Tallahassee and all those boosters calling and dropping the bag and giving him a lot a lot a lot of money to come down to Florida State and and coach them. So I don't really necessarily see him going to Michigan per se, but uh, I could see if if Harbaugh leaves, but I could see Fleck going to Florida State because he'll be the talk. All the talk shows and radio guys will will be talking about it and you know Florida State has the money to make him a godfather-type offer, right? So I think it would be better 
for just one more year if he stays at Minnesota. So as you're saying, they can build on what they have done this year. But we know that money talks in in life and especially in college athletics. And unless Minnesota wants to match that salary that Florida State can, I can see it being really hard to, to turn down. I agree. Uh, Florida State would not not be an easy turn down for sure if they can't call on. So moving on, Oklahoma comes back. A huge comeback, too. I think they were down 28-3. to three. There's just something about that that score in football. But 28-3, to three, they come back. They beat Baylor. What did we learn about Oklahoma? Uh, that their offense is still really good. Uh, I, I personally, I respect Baylor's defense. Uh, I've watched them a couple times this year. Uh, they got some players back there. They got some hard-hitting safeties. That number three, his name's skipping me right now. But... Uh, they got some players, and Jalen, Jalen came uh, put that did that comeback without C.D. Lamb. That's uh, they had a lot of a lot of true freshman receivers that were playing in that game, and I, I was very impressed with how they came back. I was too. Jalen Hurts is just ridiculous. He's so good, and he came back. He struggled at the beginning of the game. That the whole team really did, but they came back and just came out the vengeance and. They did what championship teams do, right? They win games that they're supposed to win. And they fight and they claw and they don't go down easy. And I'm surprised that the playoff committee hasn't respected them and they kept them at number nine. Truthfully, I think that's a sign of disrespect. Minnesota loses to Iowa. They go from eight to ten and Oklahoma stays at number nine. I agree. When I saw that, that, that told me that the committee did not respect really what, what happened. They, they, they thought it was a you know, a good, a good win, but they didn't really, I don't know if they just don't, they don't respect Baylor or what, but that, that, I, I definitely thought they should have jumped more than one. I mean, the, the defense, I mean, Jalen made two, he had two what, crucial fumbles early in the game and the defense shut out Baylor and Charlie Brewer in the second half. And I mean, Brewer, they, they were rolling in that first half. So I, I thought they should have gotten a little more love in the playoff, the committee for sure. But, and look, uh, and, and look like, we get it. The The playoff at this point, the the standings are obviously just a moment in time reflection of where things are. And obviously when, when you look at it, we're going to get into this in, in a couple of minutes. But, you know, you got the all the SEC teams, you got the two Pac-12 teams ahead of them, guys in the Big Ten who are still hanging around. And no, like I have a hard time believing that if Oklahoma wins the Pac-12 as a one-loss conference champion – They'll be anything less than number five. Like yeah, I think that they might get a chance, but just I don't know if their defense is good enough. And, and I think that the committee recognized that their defense is really struggling, and that's something that they've kind of struggled with for the last few years too. I think that's I think that's the key. I think they're they're they like they like the offense, but obviously with them not bumping it up, they they don't respect it as much. Maybe as in as in LSU, Alabama. Uh, Ohio State Clemson offense right now, so their 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 defense is holding them back, and uh, they they've been playing a little better the defense uh, defensive side. Like I said, they responded in the second half, but uh, they they need to pick it up, and they they, need, they still need to show out because they'll be playing Baylor again in a couple weeks. So if they if they get a chance to you know make a statement in these last two games, then then you never know. I mean, we know chaos always comes on these last few weeks, so I, I, I think it's coming again this year. I totally agree. And just the, the last one I want to make is, well, okay, we're talking about Oklahoma. 
and maybe they're not as good or getting the, the recognition that they deserve. But how about just the fact that they are still dominating the Big 12 and that the same teams are still dominating the Big 10? It's Ohio State and Penn State, and it's and it's once we feel like we get these breakthrough teams so many times once they go up against the Blue Bloods and, and the big boys, they they can't deliver. They can't get over the hump. It's year in, year out. I mean, it's it's same teams, Big Ten, same teams, uh, SEC. I mean, it's LSU's the first time they've really came out this year, but that's just how it's kind of been the past five, six years, and it's just it's the same teams from all uh, most Power Five conferences that are that are pretty much at the top now. And, and now, now we're finally getting uh, the Pac-12 teams. Yeah, and and now, and now you know you mentioned the Pac-12. It's still okay. Oregon's a powerhouse in the Pac-12, but. Utah is nowhere near a powerhouse, and no. usually it's where we, we want, as the fan and the media and everything, we want USC to be involved. It should be USC and Oregon and maybe Stanford, you know, like the teams everyone knows and recognizes, but, like, when if the committee has to put Utah in, okay, great, like, Utah's in, but no one's pumped to see Utah. Everyone yeah, would be pumped that. to see USC back, right? It's not that national brand that, that everybody wants to see for sure. Yeah, and just tra- and just transitioning into just the college football playoff as a whole. I think this is going to. I'm making my pitch now for the for the 18 playoff because <laughs> because I think that these teams so that you get the as you mentioned Oklahoma these USC these teams who are national brands should be able to get in and have a legit chance to play other national brand schools and also. Also, like the little guy, like part of what makes the March Madness bracket so awesome is that the Cinderella factor. You're watching Loyola Chicago make the Final Four and George Mason, VCU, and you're seeing David beat Goliath. Well, maybe Minnesota could beat Georgia on a random Saturday, you know, at the Sugar Bowl. Maybe that could happen. I feel like everyone would be pulling for Minnesota over the big, bad SEC team. I agree. They, uh, yeah, it would, it would it would be much more fun. I feel like for for the uh, the nation and the fans and everything. I don't know if it's would be the best for football per se, because I mean I I I don't think a, a Penn State or a Minnesota if they had to face a, a Clemson right now. I, I don't. I mean I don't think that would be a the best game. But uh, I think I think for viewership and the excitement and everything. Yeah, I think they're they are trying to tend toward that 18 playoff and get it a little more of the March Madness feel where uh, possibly a non-Power 5 of a, you know, SMU or a Memphis uh, could sneak in like that. Or maybe Appalachian State. Don't sleep on them. That's right. So so now moving into the rankings of what's actually going to happen instead of one of my classic pipe dream tangents. We got LSU number one again. No surprise there. I've talked about it last week. Best team in college football, I think. Ohio State number two, Clemson three. Those are the the three unbeaten's we have at at the top three. Then we got Georgia, Alabama at four and five, Oregon six, Utah seven, and Penn State at eight. What do you make of this? What do you think that the committee is doing now with putting Georgia in at four and Clemson at three when they were initially out? Just your reaction to just where the playoff committee sees things at this at this moment going into week thirteen? 
there wasn't wasn't any change at the top from last week. Uh, I I agree with them with the top three teams. Uh, I think I think Clemson's still still right now, honestly, the team to beat. I love LSU, but their defense needs a little work. I think it's getting a little little overblown of how much how much Ole Miss ran the ball on them last week. Ole Miss that, that John Ross Plumley can play. Their little quarterback, he, he can he can run the ball and he, he's super fast. So I think that's a little tougher team to to play against. Uh, so I think that's getting a little overshadowed. But I think Clemson Clemson sitting at three. I think you know Dabo loves that. He's all about that Roy bus. The rest of we're on on that rest of y'all bus. Uh, so you know he loves that, but I think those are the three top teams in the nation right now. Uh, I don't think I, I'm excited to watch the Ohio State Penn State game this weekend, honestly, because uh, I, I I I don't think you want to play Ohio State right now. Their their defense is playing really well, and that was I know last week they gave up a couple touchdowns to Rutgers, but that's just that's a different game, but. I think those those are the clear top three teams in the nation right now for sure. I think Georgia's right behind them. Uh, I agree. I was I was happy not to see them drop Bama. I was I was thinking they were probably going to drop them because of the two injury, and I, I didn't think that was fair to the team overall because the team's still putting up ridiculous stats with with other players besides Tua. Um, and Oregon and Utah though that that'll we'll, we'll see this weekend. They they got two road games in the state of Arizona. Uh, they both should. Handle both of those pretty easily. I think Arizona State might give Oregon a little tougher chance. Uh, Utah should should wipe Arizona. That 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 should be a blowout. But uh, I'm excited to see how they those two teams uh, work out this weekend. And then, like I said, the the Penn State Ohio State game that, that's the matchup Saturday morning. So we'll we'll figure out which team's for real there. And I. I I think Penn State's got a tiny shot, but I, I think Ohio State they might struggle early, but they're 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 gonna they'll win convincingly. I think about 10, 14 points at the end. So before before I jump into the the Week Thirteen preview with you, let's put some respect on my L, on, on my LSU Tigers defense. They <laughs> they go from playing Tua to as you mentioned, Ole Miss, who is sneaky good. They're you know they're they're better than than people think. Those are two brutal. Offenses to face back to back for those defensive stats, like you know, not giving up eighty points to Tua should be considered an an accomplishment. Yep. So so let's put some respect on on my Tigers and Grant Delpit and <laughs> and, and all those guys. So, but but look, looking ahead to, to week thirteen, I agree with you. I think that the playoff committee did put it right the first. They got the top four right, and they got number five right because we have seen backup quarterbacks compete and win national championships in the playoff system, right? You had Ohio State with Cardell Jones in the inaugural year. Obviously, Tua comes in against Georgia. You know, they... I think they're waiting to see, okay, what is Mac Jones as a true starter? Not just the one-week fill-in against some bad SEC team when Tua was out recovering. What is Mac Jones against an SEC team as the true starter going forward? And if he struggles or if he's not clearly like the guy, I could see Bama dropping down to six or seven. But but, But looking ahead... First, let's talk about uh, Ohio State-Penn State. This game is at the Horseshoe in Columbus. 
as much as I want to pick Penn State because I do think that they are really, really good, the return of Chase Young just at the right time to face Penn State, I agree with you that I think Ohio State will win. I think it's going to be really close. Um, I want to pick Penn State so badly. You know what? Screw it. I'm I'm taking Penn State. I I think I think Clifford is is, a, is going to do just enough to win, and we haven't seen Justin Fields play in a big game yet. This is his first true big game. I feel like yes, they beat Wisconsin, but this is like we that was before the playoff standings were out. This is like the first like if you win this, you are base and if like. If you win this game, I don't think it matters what happens against Michigan. As long as they win the Big Ten, they'll be in the they'll be in the college football playoff. But if they lose this game, everything is now in question about what's going to happen going forward. That's a that's a bold prediction picking Penn State for sure as a eighteen point underdogs. Is it really eighteen? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the spreads at eighteen right now, and I saw a trend that in the last forty years. There's only been seven top ten matchups that have had a point spread this big, and all seven of those favorites won outright. I think it was five and two they went against the spread, and that was seventeen plus. So that's just absurd. Like, like if I was James Franklin, I would just have the number eighteen all over my my locker room this week. Yep. And but but and I will say, but but also in your in your in your favor, it, it's supposed to be a pretty rainy game, so you never know what can happen in a rain game. True, and and also wasn't Alabama a touchdown favorite over LSU? They were, and, and preseason I think that line was at seventeen or eighteen too. So, so maybe maybe Vegas just getting too many bets on Ohio State, and they just got to try to get some people over to the to the Penn State side with me. Okay, could that could be what they're thinking for sure, but. Uh, I've got, like, the Ohio State defense, they're number one in the nation right now in yards allowed per game, number one in the nation in pass yards per game allowed, number one in the nation in points allowed per game at nine. Uh, And they're also – their offense is number one in the nation in points scored per game at 51. So when you got arguably the best offense and the best uh, defense in the nation, it might cause some problems for Penn State. All right. Let me just read some of these teams for the for the listener out there because those are some good offensive numbers and defensive numbers. But let me just read some numbers of or names of the teams that they played. They scored forty five in Florida Atlantic. They scored fifty one against Indiana. They scored seventy six against Miami Ohio. Is that even a Division one football team? Then <laughs> they're in the back, yeah. Then they scored fifty two against Northwestern. You know those kids probably had finals. Then they put up 73 on Maryland, who is just an abomination and shouldn't be in the Big Ten. And they put up 56 against Rutgers, who shouldn't be in the Big Ten or play Division One football either. So it's like, yes, they've been awesome, but they've also beaten up on really bad teams. Like, of, of, of the good teams, they beat Michigan State handily at home 34-10, to and they crushed Wisconsin 38-7. to So... That the Wisconsin game is the game where, where where you point to as okay, this was like the one the defense showed up, the offense was was awesome. But I think those numbers you could put a little asterisk next to them, skewed. especially the last gotcha. two weeks putting up, you know, a hundred and twenty nine points against Maryland and and Rutgers. Yep, I agree. 
for sure. Uh, this is yeah, this will definitely be their biggest game of the year and the toughest test. So we'll see if if that offense and defense can keep up what they what they've been doing this past year. And this may be a hot take, but I think James Franklin is a better coach than Ryan Day. I I would agree. Right now, haven't seen enough of Ryan Day personally yet. But uh, as of right now, yeah, I agree. Uh, I like Franklin more. So moving on, my, the, the next name I want to highlight was actually one that, that you didn't mention and I was surprised about. Georgia is playing Texas A&M this week, which I think is a sneaky good game. Yes, we've, we talked last week about how Kellen Mond has taken a step back and Texas A&M isn't necessarily where we thought they would be. But they still are really talented, and this is a game that Georgia has to win. Yeah, I, 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 they've got to win this game, no doubt. Uh, I think they will. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna. Honestly, I, I think they're gonna dominate the trenches, and I think that's gonna be a big deal. I think they're gonna be able to run on A and M, uh, and I, I, I think Georgia. I think Georgia wins pretty easy, honestly, at home. I, I, I think A and M might hang early, but it's. I, I, I just think Georgia's Georgia's too good right now. I don't think they can match up. I don't think A and M can match up with them. I agree with you. I think Georgia has advantages all over, all around the field, but you know they lose to South Carolina. Like this is a team that has to win this game, and even though they're they're not ranked, I think in the playoff committee rankings, they still are in the AP top twenty five for whatever that's worth. And you know Texas A and M is they're an SEC team. They're talented. They have good recruits. They have a quarterback who's waiting for his prime time moment. That to remind people how good he is. Like he's really talented. He makes a lot of mistakes with the football, but he's still really talented. And as good as we think Georgia is, this this, this is the time. It's like, hey, you have to prove it now. Like, all the pressure's on you. Texas A&M is going into Athens this week with nothing to lose. And Georgia has everything yeah. to lose. Yeah, it's a good point. They, uh, yeah, A&M's just playing for A&M right now. They're, they're playing for themselves. They're playing for their coaches. And it makes it a lot easier. It's it's a lot, a lot, uh, a lot more pressure-free for sure. But uh, Georgia's Georgia's defense, man, it's it's been unbelievable. They're number three in the nation in rush yards per game, only allowing seventy five yards rushed a game, and then number two in the nation in, in allowing ten points per game. So I just their defense doesn't really get much credit, but it has been unbelievable, and you could see it in that Auburn game. Bo Nix was having, I mean, he was having fits, and I I, I agree that you know the, the guess I was on offense isn't the best, but it was. You you could see that Georgia was. I mean, they they were they they were, they were playing, and and that that defense is is nothing to nothing to joke with. Yeah, like Georgia is ridiculous. Kirby Smart, just like what he's done at that program, is he's just so good that he's just such a good coach and, and such a good recruiter that. I don't see him allowing them to lose this game. Like I, I could envision this week of practice being just absolutely brutal for those guys to make sure that they understand just the importance of this game too. But yes, but just yeah, I, I agree. They, uh, yeah, Kirby will probably definitely be on them this week. They, uh, they, they need to show up too. They, they need, they need to play well and. and like you said, A and M's A and M's not not to be joked with, but I, I think Georgia takes this one pretty easily. Yeah. So moving on to the Pac-12, and 
as you mentioned, the Pac-12 favorites are both in Arizona this this week. Is there? I know you mentioned that Utah should blow out Arizona, but sh- is there any upset potential? Uh, I think Arizona State might give Oregon a shot. I, I think that's that's the upset. Uh, I'm not picking it as an upset, but I, I, I think they might have a shot for sure. They've uh, their uh, their offense their offense isn't that good, but if they can somehow slow down slow down Herbert and Oregon State and Oregon's offense, they they you never know what could happen. But I I think I think both Pac-12 favorites should pull them out this weekend. Interesting. I the Pac-12 is a weird conference, man. Like. <laughs> Weird things happen out on the West Coast because this these games will be starting at ten thirty East Coast time, probably like end around one thirty two. Like people will be waking up, like what just happened? Like I feel like that happens every week in the Pac twelve. Arizona State has a good coach. They're they're coached by Herm Edwards. Like that, he's a good football coach, and I think he's looking for his signature win there to really jumpstart that program. I agree with you. Utah should beat Arizona. I don't think Arizona is good enough to compete with them for a full 60 minutes, but Oregon's good at losing games. They, they should win historically, right? Like Oregon has lost a lot of games when they've been on the verge of the playoffs or the BCS rankings. Like they've lost a lot of games that they should win. So I don't count them out for getting upset against Arizona state. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see it personally. I think I think Mario Cristobal's got Oregon rolling right now. They they got some they got some good defensive players too that uh, that I think should shut down a, a very weak I think Arizona State offense. Sun Devils have like they've got one one receiver that uh, that'll probably he's verge or uh, edge first round pick this year. But uh, I just I don't know. I, I, I'm taking Oregon. I, I really like what I've been seeing out of. Uh, Cristobal squad out there and they just they've been playing pretty well interesting so I think Oregon will win too but it wouldn't it it wouldn't absolutely shock me if 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 State won that game but moving on to Sundays and and the big boys the pros coming off week 11 Lamar 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 he put on an absolute clinic on Sunday against the Texans Dominated the game from from the jump. The Texans were out of it literally from the coin flip, right? From kickoff. Lamar has jumped. Everyone's saying he's now the MVP. He's the MVP. I was proven to be crazy wrong about him. And he's just so he's just so good. Like you're almost lost for words at this point because he's shocking you every week with just how good he is i was i was shocked by how that game went honestly i thought it was i mean we, we talked about it last week but i thought i thought houston and baltimore it would be a you know a last possession type of game but yeah lamar is he's unbelievable he's seriously he he, he he's just he, he makes the smart plays he makes the plays and he's just he's a freak athlete man you can't you just can't teach that it's so hard to cover too it's I'm very impressed with, with what's going on in Baltimore right now, and they are rolling. So is Baltimore the favorites in the AFC now? Because the Pats have struggled the last two weeks, obviously losing to Baltimore, 
and they struggled this week against the Eagles offensively. Are, do you think Baltimore is now the favorites in the AFC? I still have the pass because of Belichick and Brady, but you know I could be rewarding them for what they've done in the past and not how they're looking this year. Yeah, it's uh, like I said last week. I still think the Patriots' offense—they they they need some help. I think they're getting Isaiah Wynn back uh, this they week. Are. They're left tackle they are, for yeah. Georgia, so that, that should help out a lot. But uh, yeah, they they just—I think uh, I hate picking against Brady and, and Belichick, but yeah, I just I, I think as of right now, I think they're Baltimore's probably the best team in the AFC. I think Baltimore's defense is getting better and better each week. Ever since they, uh, ever since the trade for, uh, I'm going blank. What was is it? Uh, who did they trade for in the secondary? I'm sorry. Yeah, it was uh, Marcus Peters. But yeah, ever since that trade for Marcus Peters, I mean, midway through the year, that defense, I mean, it's just been unbelievable. I don't, I mean, I don't. Obviously, I don't see them signing him this offseason, but right now they are rolling and. That offense just keeps going, and I, I love Harbaugh. I think he's I think he's a great coach, and I I, I think it's I think Baltimore Patriots in the playoffs would be would be pretty special to watch. So, so here's Baltimore's schedule the rest of the season. So they're at the Rams this week on Monday Night Football. Then they're home to San Francisco. That could be a game. I hope they flex that to Sunday night. Then at Buffalo, who I think is still overrated, but there are winning football games. Home to the Jets, at Cleveland, home for Pittsburgh. So they have four more very, very winnable games. I'll say San Francisco is a a toss-up, and you know the Rams looked really bad this past week. I think that I still really like the Bills' defense. I know their offense struggles, but I, I, I think that's not a that's not an easy victory either in Buffalo. I don't think so. You know, you know, like we we say that, but the Pats defense is awesome, and they put up thirty seven on them. Like they're just blowing all expectations. Like I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> to, yeah, to, I was, to be I was a lot higher on Buffalo than most people this year, so I'm still it's probably probably a little biased, but but yeah, I, I think yeah, they Baltimore's got very winnable games right at the last three for sure with the Jets, at Browns, and Steelers. Unless, unless I mean, something changes in Cleveland, which I mean, it very well could. A very easy schedule coming up, but uh, I think Baltimore they got a shot. So that puts them at eleven and two because we're both saying they'll beat the Jets, they'll beat Cleveland, they'll beat Pittsburgh. That's eleven and two. Yep. Let's say that they beat Buffalo, like so, so they're twelve and two, and they split right. L.A. and San Francisco. That means they're thirteen and three. Can we say that the Pats are going to get to? 13 and 3. So here is the Pats schedule for reference. So the Pats have the Cowboys this week, which we will talk about in a second because I think that that is potentially the game of the weekend. So So they go Cowboys this week. Then they go at Texans on Sunday night. Then they go home against the Chiefs at Bengals, Bills, Dolphins. That is a tough, tough schedule. Yeah, that's that's not that's not easy right there. Because the Cowboys are really good, the Texans are really good with Deshaun Watson. Like he's could put up huge numbers the way Lamar did. Obviously, you got Mahomes coming to town. That their defense isn't great out in Kansas City, but Mahomes is still Mahomes. They'll crush the Bengals. They'll crush the Dolphins. 
in that Bills game, the Bills gave them trouble the first time they played in uh, in week three. So, or excuse me, week four. So, I don't know. So, so the Pats are nine and one now. I could see them dropping any of the next three games. Yeah, but I, potentially I, I all. Completely of them. agree. So, I think yeah, I, I, Cowboys this weekend is not not something to mess with either. And then add the Texans. You know, they're I mean. On that prime time, that's 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 gonna be great, great next three weeks for the Patriots. Honestly, we'll be glued to the TV for those. For sure. So, I think there's a true battle between the Ravens and, and the Pats, and we'll figure it out maybe this week what's gonna happen because we have an, an elite slate of games. We've kind of touched on it: Cowboys, Patriots. Who you got? Dak versus Brady. Chance for Dak to really prove he's worth the forty million a year. Yeah, I think that's that's. I think you nailed it right there. I think he's gonna. I think Dak's gonna show that he deserves the contract. I don't know if he's gonna win per se, but I, I think it's gonna be a really really close game. Uh, I think Dallas Dallas has got some better players right now. Uh, like I said, I still think the offense for for New England's very average. I think Dallas has got more weapons on offense. Uh, defense for for New England's it's, it's solid, but still, I mean, Dallas has got their players too. Linebackers need to play a little better. Van Der Esch and, and Jalen Smith haven't played to what I thought they would have this year, but uh, I think that's going to be a fantastic game this weekend. And uh, do not sleep on the Cowboys; they're they're seven point underdogs right now, and I, I disagree. I think that's a, I think that's a Belichick. Versus Garrett kind of line, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. But uh, also the, the thing that, I, that I'm that i looking forward to about this game is that the Pats probably have the best position group in terms of defensive backs in the NFL, and the yep. Cowboys probably have the best position group in terms of linebackers in the NFL. So we'll see who wins that match and who impacts the game more. But I like the, uh, I, I like the Pats in this one just because of Belichick and Brady, but... Uh, it's definitely going to be a great game for sure. So next next one, Colts-Texans. Jacoby Brissett is back, coming back from, from his knee injury. Bounce back game potential for the Texans. The Colts are really, really well coached. I think way better coached than the Texans are. I could see this turning to a game where the Colts just pound the ball with Marlon Mack, keep the ball away from Deshaun Watson, and win the game. That it won't be pretty, but they're good defense. They can run the ball. Great offensive, great offensive line. Brissett manages the game. I I see the Colts winning versus the Texans. Yeah, I think this is going to be another really good game tomorrow night. I'm I'm excited to see this. Uh, you nailed it again with the coaching for sure. We we saw that last week with uh, Bill O'Brien and against Baltimore. That was made some more questionable decisions, but we won't get into coaching too hard there. But. Uh, yeah, they. This should be a great game. I think the Colts might be getting Eric Ebron back. I, th- I saw. I saw that he was limited to practice today, so that that could be a huge get back. Uh, but I, I do expect Deshaun to bounce back as well. I think he had. They kind of struggled, like I said last week, and uh, back on national television, I, I think he's going to respond. So I'm. I'm expecting a really good game. I'm going to take the Texans. Honestly, I think they bounce back. Interesting, interesting. I I just think that against the Colts, the, you can't do the thing where you blow these timeouts. And Watson is great, but he he does have a propensity for interceptions still. So, uh, yep. 
So I like the Colts in this one, but also Thursday night games are always random and weird. And they're weird. A lot, very weird. <laughs> but uh, they're very weird. Uh, next one: Seahawks, Eagles. MVP candidate Russell Wilson against the Eagles. Speaking of weird, the Eagles are weird. Because they're on paper, you're like, okay, this guy's really good. Carson Wentz is really good. Okay, Fletcher Cox is really good. Okay, all, they they have talent, right? Yeah, but, I, I don't understand. <laughs> but it's just like, like said, but it's like you watch them play, and you're like checking the roster to make sure that the guys you're watching are on the field, and you're like, oh wait, they are on the field. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> they they. Patriots gave them multiple opportunities last week too, and they just they could not take advantage. But uh, this this Eagles team is weird this year, man. They just they just don't they just haven't performed. I I don't understand what it is. I don't know if it's uh, I mean players to scheme to I, I just I really don't know. It's I've been scratching my head at this squad all year. What it seems like to me is they don't do the easy stuff well. They don't – it's just very, very rare when, when you watch them play that they do like the easy – you know, nothing's easy in pro sports, but like the, you know, the quick slants to the tight end, the dump-offs that get six, seven yards. Like they hit big plays and they have big moments, but like I feel like they rely sometimes too much on the spectacular that, you know, you never see Wentz just drop back and just keep the ball moving and drives moving. It's like I agree. They, and, they they want the kill shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's not it's, it's not very viable in the NFL. And you saw that last week against the Pats when they're driving down the field trying to tie the game tie the tie the game at at the end of the fourth quarter, and Wentz misses. I think it was Ertz twice on just simple passes that NFL quarterbacks have to be able to make in in those situations. And I don't know what's what's going on. It's he should be more a- accurate than he is, but I like the Seahawks in this game. I think the Seahawks are ridiculous. The Eagles' defensive backs are always one injury away from just being completely ravaged. So with the Josh Gordon addition in, in Seattle, uh, I think the Seahawks will go into Philly and uh, and get a big win. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to hard to bet against uh, Russell Wilson right now. He's 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 on a different level than everybody he's uh he's playing out of his mind he's carrying that squad and i agree uh, i think they i think they go into philly I, I feel more confident with what i've seen out of seattle consistently this year and Clowney coming off his best game arguably of his entire career but uh i think they i think they keep it rolling so we're in agreement again so usually when when i do this taylor i stop at three games because there aren't enough good games with all the bikes and stuff, but we have an elite slate in week 12. Sunday night, Packers 49ers, two extremely good-looking quarterbacks. The ratings will be through the roof. Uh, I like I like the uh, the Niners in, in this one. I, I hesitated for a second because of Aaron Rodgers and what Aaron Rodgers can do, but Aaron Rodgers has struggled against the Bears and their very good defense, and the Niners' defense is better. And I think Jimmy G will do just enough to win like he seemingly always does. And I think he's getting lucky on a lot of turnovers because I think he should have more turnovers than he does currently. 
But I just think that the Niners front will be able to get to Rodgers and pressure him and win a and win a game by 10 or 13 points when it really is they're probably a, like a three-point difference. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. This one's another. It's going to be a great game. This is tough for me. Tough to pick. They uh, Packers coming off the bye week. Usually they're pretty, pretty, pretty good off byes, especially with Aaron Rodgers. And they they really don't have many injuries right now. I think. See, I'm looking at. It, I, I think everybody's everybody's pretty much back for Green Bay. Uh, I just. I don't know. Niners, Niners got lucky last week to get that win. Kyler Murray in Arizona, they played fantastic, I thought. And that was that was an exceptional game, and the box score did not show how that really ended or how that game played out. But uh, this one's tough. Uh, probably going to lean... I guess I'm going to take the Packers. Uh, I... I, I trust Aaron Rodgers right now more than Jimmy G. Uh, I like Shanahan, what they've been doing. Defense for 49ers is unbelievable. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm, – I'm really – this is my favorite favorite game of the weekend. I'm, I'm extremely excited to watch this game and see how Rodgers does against that pass that uh, that pass rush. And just I'm just so happy for Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth that they get such a good game this week after just the debacle of snooze fest that Bears-Rams was last week. I mean, yep. I, I mean, I've never heard Al Michaels and Chris Collins were so sad to call a to call a football game before. Yeah, that was. I yeah, I don't miss many NFL games, but I will say I did not watch that game. Went to bed early that <laughs> night. <laughs> you, you, you missed a lot of incompletions and a lot of punts, man. That's, but, uh, that's what it seems like. So, <laughs> but uh, Monday Night Football mentioned this earlier when we talked about the Ravens. Ravens at Rams. A chance for a bounce back with Jared Goff. They were dealing with a lot of injuries last week on the offensive side of the ball against the Bears. Potential letdown for the Ravens, thinking the Rams aren't no aren't any good. Revenge game for Marcus Peters. Uh, McVay versus Harbaugh. A lot of storylines in in this one. I think the Ravens will will win this game on the road, uh, but. I could see the Rams somehow sneaking this one out. I don't. I'm not confident in it, and I think Lamar will put up a lot of points. But it'll be interesting to see, like, because the Rams still have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. So it's hard yes. to be like they stink because they don't stink. But it's like they should be better. <laughs> they're just like the. They're just like the uh, the Eagles. Yeah, they they should be playing a lot better. They uh, like I said, it's. It, Back to I think again that O line it's that's that's really hurting Goff. He, he needs time. He needs protection. But I think coming back home this, this should be a really good game. I don't I don't expect a blowout. I think this this will be close. I don't know if it'll be you know one score, but I I think it'll it'll be a really really good football game. And I I I don't really see the Rams pulling it out, but it wouldn't shock me at all. I just don't know what to do about Jared Goff, man. Like, I watch yeah, him, I watch him, I want him to be good. Like, I really, really, really want him to be good. And then he takes his helmet off, and he's got that dumb, stupid look on his face after he's thrown the third interception of the game. I'm like, I just can't quit you, Jared. Like, you just drive me nuts, but then, like, you throw awesome touchdowns to Cooper Cup, and then you get sacked and fumble four times. It's like, 
you play with my emotions, Jared, and I want you to be better. You shouldn't have that that paycheck, but it's like he's so frustrating. Yeah, these are this is this is like a perfect scenario for me usually where I take the the home underdog. I mean, this is if it wasn't Goff, I'd probably take the Rams to win outright. I mean, Ravens coming off just a, a dominant performance, going all the way across back on the road, prime time again. Everybody's watching. I just, it wouldn't shock me if the Rams won, but like you said, Goff is Goff's my my factor that I'm just, I'm leaning toward Lamar and taking the Ravens. Yeah, and since we can't end this end this on a Jared Goff comment, I think that the Ravens are really good, but but this could be a potential. They've played so well the last two weeks. It'll be interesting to see, like, can they actually play as well for a third straight week? That's what elite Super Bowl winning teams do, right? So it'll be interesting to see you play three good teams in a row, what'll happen. But it's an elite slate of games. I'm pumped that this is now a weekly thing with you, Taylor. I'm looking forward to next week just recapping all this great football. Saturday and Sunday this week are going to be a lot of fun. And I uh, just can't wait to, to watch it all. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. Thank you again. Uh, very excited to be part of the podcast now. And uh, hopefully the loyal listeners will, will keep listening. Of course. All right, Taylor. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. And make it a great day.